everybody. Welcome back to Powerhouse Finch Show. Zach Shu here, the other host. I got Dan, the host, here with me. We hey, got everyone. A, got a special guest in the house this evening. I've been playing around with introducing this guy. I had the privilege of meeting him um, last week in Las Vegas at the Fence and Security Expo there. Uh, it, Tony it took Corp. us, like, what, three weeks to get the name I of the show, right? I still right. It's the <laughs> Finch Show Fence and Security Expo show of it, Las Vegas. We were watching some of our footage today that we recorded out there, and you can see me and Zach, like, reading the sign hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> so we did have the privilege of – I've heard a lot about Tony Thornton. Dan has been Tony Thornton, Tony Thornton, Tony Thornton. Uh, I think there's <laughs> – don't flatter him. Huh? I think yeah, there's right. some uh, th I've heard mention of some books, which I personally am interested in. Um, Tony has been long standing in the fence industry and now has been doing for consulting to fence companies for 20 plus years. Is that right? Oh, so the consulting thing is new. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah. So that's what you're a year and a half into that, right? Yeah. Yep. Year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we got Tony coming in. Tony is working satellite currently, um, projecting in from somewhere outside of Dallas, Texas, uh, through, through the fancy interwebs. That's right. So I guess we got it. We're going to go over some kind of our previous discussed stuff, uh, old business, as we like to call it, according to Robert's rules of order. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> familiar with that, but we kind of, yeah, we call it Richard's rules around here, but you know, um, yeah, so, so who who are we presented by? Oh, today we are brought to you by, if you notice here behind me, this wonderfully new printed screen we've just gotten in hot off the presses by MFC Manufacturing and none other than Simpalo. And Memphis Fence Company. <laughs> Obviously, Memphis Fence right, Company. Right. So, uh, yeah, we're live tonight. So if anybody's out there, you can comment. Uh, we'll probably throw a phone number that's going to be scrolling across the bottom of the screen here in a little bit. So you actually may be able to call in um, if you got any questions or anything like that, but comments are definitely good. It's a little bit easier to manage, I think. So uh, yeah, we just got back from Las Vegas. Um, the Right now, the next thing we have scheduled, I guess is Finstech in Nashville in January, which I barely made it to Las Vegas. I had no idea I had flight anxiety. I had no idea until I saw the look in Dan's eyes of horror as I was running off the plane, yeah. promising to get back on I the plane. I promise I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> sir, sir, you can't just get off the plane like that. <laughs> so, me, me talking about how we're about to ride, you know, six miles in there and an aluminum tube probably didn't that's help the, too much. As that's the weirdest thing. It's like uh, claustrophobia or whatever it was doesn't care about that. Yeah. Like I, I can imagine us, you know, thousands of feet in the air traveling 450 miles per hour and all that. No big deal. Right. It's just like the whatever just that is being so, in there. Yeah. Much better on the way back. I made it back with ease. So I'm, I'm thinking we could fly to Nashville. <laughs> no need we're based out of memphis tennessee if anybody yeah. doesn't realize the memphis fence company so nashville is a short drive for us so we'll be driving yeah. nashville. and we're gonna save that shipping unless, money unless tony's coming to pick me up yeah <laughs> we can do we're, it we uh we paid some astronomical money shipping one pallet from here to las vegas we uh somebody definitely took advantage of us on that one so i'm i'm a little gun shy on that we're about to be driving everywhere so, but, um, yeah, so we like to do this fun thing where 
where our producer Alaria is Italian. So we like to see if we can learn some Italian during the show. And uh, so our, our word for this week is wood fence, I guess a phrase. So what do you got for us? Recinzione legno. Okay, if, do I go first? Typically Dan goes first because oh. it's funny. <laughs> go Dan. Right. Do it one more time. Recinzione in legno. Retenzione in legno. <laughs> Uh, F. Is it in a, he failed. <laughs> failed Italian. Is it is it inappropriate to ask for that to be used in a sentence? That, that... I don't think it's gonna help you. <laughs> okay, so one more time. One more time. Recinzione in legno. Recinzione in legno. A plus. What? I am the best Italian. That was awesome. Hey, hey, look, guys. Unless there's redneck in that word. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so we, it looks like we get the same grade. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we got Tony Thornton here. Um, so kind of what I thought we'd do is kind of start talking about your background a little bit. And I like to know kind of like how people got in the fence industry. And, sure. you know, we, we all are – so, you know, we're all fighting this like labor shortage that's going on and stuff. And I, I think maybe if we could maybe get back to like, why did everyone get here? That might help us for some. So, so what got you started in the fence industry initially? Well, a lot of people has heard this story. Uh, you know, I was 15 years old. Uh, we lived in a small community there in Pearl, Mississippi and two houses down the street. Uh, we had a very close family friend, Mr. Jerry Jeffcoat, who owned Jeffcoat Fence Company. And um, one day I'm cutting the grass. He pulls up out by the road and he says, hey, I've talked to your dad. Get in the truck. We're going to build a fence today. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, anything at 15 to get out of cutting grass, you know, I'd do anything. So a uh, lawnmower went out of the carport and I uh, tell everybody that day started my uh, my um, my career. Uh, because I just absolutely fell in love with it. Had a great mentor. He did a great job of mentoring me, and I worked with him every summer through junior high and high school and, uh, you know, part-time during college. And then uh, finally went full-time, you know, after college and, and marriage. And, uh, man, it just, you know, just kept giving me opportunities. And, you know, but, you know, I come from an era where, you know, people didn't mind to work. You know, let's get out there and let's get a tan. Let's enjoy what's going on. And, uh, you know, our, our uh, professionals these days have a much harder challenge because, you know, I think we've been a little too soft on our, our, our younger generation, you know. And um, it's, a, it's a hard labor market out there, but you can find good folks, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's some that exist, man. We were, so we were super impressed by Ranch Fence in Las Vegas. Like, they showed up, and, man, they had a ton of people there. Yeah, they had like 20 something guys, all of yeah. them aging between like 19 and 23 years old, super mm -hmm. well, well dressed and yeah. presentable and nice young yep. kids. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was one of the first things they came over to our booth and I was like, wait a minute, before we talk about anything else, how did they recruit y'all? Where? Yeah. How, how did they get y'all on board? So yeah, that, that was impressive. But, well, if, the, uh, and if they probably told you we enjoy working here. You know, and I mean, it's all about, you know, we've talked about the book, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, what's your mission, your vision, your strategy and, and how you're going to go about building a strong culture 
that people want to work for you and tell their buddies that, man, I got a great job. You need to come to work with us. And that's that's how you you get those folks involved is, uh, you know, your, your network, your your uh, your little close knit uh, friends. That's the ticket. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of along the lines of what they said. I, I think they they kind of like start recruiting them in high school, but then they're like, it's just a lot of word of mouth. Like, you know, a couple of guys work here and they tell their buddies and like next thing you know, yeah. they're all there. So yeah, yeah but it, it was pretty cool to see. That's awesome. So, uh, I, what, so what all have you done in the fence industry, <laughs> like throughout your career? It'd probably be easier to tell you what I hadn't done. Right, um, right. <laughs> You know, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that uh, I started on the crew, you know, as a helper. I had two phenomenal, you know, uh, mentors, you know, in the field. Uh, those guys back in those days, you know, they'd, they'd work hard. They'd stop by the uh, 7-Eleven every afternoon and pick up a six-pack on the way in. Or, you know, I'd just sitting there watching it. But those two guys taught me how to work and how to put up a good fence. And um, so I pride myself in the fact that I pretty much installed every type of fence that's out there. Um, and you know, we got pretty heavy in automation and, and those type things. So, uh, you know, I've kind of had my hands in a little bit of all of those aspects of, of, you know, being a laborer, being a, a project manager, being a crew leader. And then Mr. Jeff code at 22 says, you know, we done grown this thing so large. I need somebody to step in as operations. And, um, I became the first ever Jeff code fence company operations manager. So I uh, didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how we were going to do it. But, you know, the one thing that I had was the respect of all the team members, all the, all the you know, my guys I've been working with all those years. And, uh, man, we just we just put our head down and started figuring out, you know, how to make things more efficient and, and do things more effective. And um, it really just turned into a phenomenal, you know, uh, opportunity. And um, I, I really I really appreciate that in the fact that it taught me, you know, how to manage. It taught me how to get under understanding, you know, what other people were dealing with and what they were going through. Uh, but at the same time, you know, how to be efficient and productive. But uh, at 29, I, uh, you know, I, my entrepreneur spirit said, look, if you don't do it by now, you're never going to do it. And uh, I, uh, I started the company. Uh, Mr. Jeffco, give me his blessings. You know, I've done all I can for you. So head out. But um, I started the company that was installing gate operators in, in Mississippi. And uh, the surrounding states, uh, you know, I basically had 30 or 40 fence companies. That was my sales team. And I subcontracted my services to all of them. And that company grew uh, very quickly. I was in the perfect time, perfect niche. And then uh, we started a distribution group. And uh, that distribution group grew very quickly. Uh, I'm very proud to say that we grew it to be the third largest gate operator, wholesale distributor uh in the nation the third largest in the nation and uh we were purchased by a company that everybody will know in our industry control products systems right. group so um worked with them for a couple of years uh that was an interesting corporate level you know step for me uh you know that that was kind of kind of fun uh but uh mr jeff Coke needed some help and uh he come to me and says hey his exact words was man we've created a monster and i need somebody to help me tame it you know and uh, so I went back for a couple of years and helped him. And then um, my next step was working with Door King for almost 10 years as a regional sales manager out of Mississippi. Uh, you know, gate operators were my passion and I uh, had, had a lot of opportunities to travel the country and training and, and meeting people. 
And um, during that tenure as, uh, you know, a, a sales rep for Door King, uh, I started getting heavily involved as a volunteer with the American Fence Association. And um, I was serving on the executive committee level. And somebody says, you know, we need to hire an executive director. We need to move away from existing management. We need to do something different. Well, I said, oh, okay, you know, let's do it. I've never in my never in my dreams did I think, you know, I wanted the job or even thought about taking the job. But then all of a sudden, you know, Tony, you need to put your name in the hat. What do you mean? Yeah, I got a good job. My boss is in California. I live in Mississippi. I hunt, I fish, I do what I want as long as I don't make anybody mad and I'm making the numbers we need. You know, he's happy and I am too. I don't want this job. But lo and behold, and I tell everybody, good Lord's got different plans for you. Uh, I put my name in the hat after a lot of prayerful time and talking with the wife. And um, they had over 100 resumes that uh, American Fence wow. Association went through. And it, it came down to three. Uh, the deal that my wife and I made, y'all enjoy this, the deal that my wife and I made, and we're very prayerful on everything that we do, we were looking for one small red flag. If one little red flag popped its head up, I wasn't going to take the job. We were going to still live in Mississippi. All was good, okay? So I went to the interview. Uh, I actually told this story today to uh, to a consult um, in Dallas, Texas. I was in the in the lobby of Atrium Hotel, and I went through the interview process with the board, and then I stayed there. I wanted to know, you know, are you going to hire me or just tell me to go home? I just need to know. And late that afternoon, uh, at the time, Santo Pernicano was serving as the uh, uh, volunteer president. He came out, and he said, well, Tony, he said um, – the board has talked and we've interviewed all the uh, candidates and uh, I think we're prepared to offer you the uh, executive director's position for the American Fence Association. I said, well, wow, I'm flattered. I'm excited. But let me ask you one question. He said, what is it? I said, was it unanimous? I'm still looking for that red flag, man. <laughs> you know? So he said, Tony, it was unanimous everybody's in your corner. Let's make this happen. I shook his hand and went to work for uh, AFA uh, January the 1st of 2014. And uh, as y'all know, I, I was, uh, you know, my tenure there was uh, a little over eight years, eight years and three months. And, you know, I, uh, I retired. I felt like, you know, the Lord was, was really, you know, calling me down this path to mentor and coach. I'd already been doing a lot of it as executive director, but now I said, you know, I can turn this thing into something good. And uh, now we've been at it for 16 months and I've uh, been very, very blessed and very fortunate that Thornton Fence Consulting Group has been accepted as a consultant in our industry, a professional consultant, someone with integrity, credibility and knowledge. And um, and we've been really having a lot of fun and a lot of success. So that's my snapshot. So that's what I've done. That's where I've been. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be a fence professional. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure. Thank you, man. So it's I, good to get to hear that. I, I want to kind of put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so this picture that you have on your website of you, <laughs> when, when is this picture from? Well, it depends on which one you're looking at, you know. Uh, uh, I've matured since those pictures. I don't know, you know, this, <laughs> this beard, uh, you know, this gray, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, um, People know me from that era of time. Now they got to get used to this era of time. <laughs> so I'd only seen uh, the photo that's on the banner that you had in Las Vegas. And when, oh, yeah. And that's who I was expecting to meet. So we walked up on you and Mike down there. 
And Dan said, Zach, this is Tony Thornton. And I was looking around like, where, which one is Tony? <laughs> hey, Zach, I get hammered for that picture. Okay. I mean, they like, I'm looking for that guy. That guy is here, but this is him now. Uh, so definitely before Fence Tech Nashville, I may have to update that banner uh, just to where I don't get. But, you know, hey, if they're coming in, you know, that's okay. That's right. That's, right. that's a marketing tool. <laughs> that's right. That was pretty funny. We, uh, so we were like, I think we stole that picture off your website to use as the thumbnail <laughs> for this show. And I was like, nah, we got to say something to him about this. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. You, you and everybody else picks on me about that picture. So it's okay. It's okay. All right, I'll get some new material for the next. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we weren't very original on that, apparently. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we got into where you've been, and you kind of finished up with what you're doing now. Um, we got a question here. Uh, how many companies, not an exact number, of course, but how many companies, in the, I guess, in the past 16 months or over your experience? Over your with the career, eight, I think. Right, helping uh, other companies and talking to people and whatnot. Uh how many sure. other companies' books have you looked at or looked over their finances? <laughs> or, like, uh, well, you know, the consult deep dives into their complete business. Uh, we're looking at five categories, and I'll tell you the number in just a minute, Zach. Yes, we're looking at their their um, their leadership and their management. We're looking at their sales and marketing. Uh, we're really focusing on their accounting and their financials. We're looking at their operations and workflow, which, in my opinion, has been the biggest challenge for every consult I've been to. Y'all run a fence company. Y'all know what I'm saying. And then the last piece is the installation and production. But uh, I've been very blessed in the fact that immediately upon retirement, I had people in line. And uh, in 16 months, we've done 20 full consults. Um, I had my first <clears throat> full consult in Dallas this week. Okay. The other... 19 have been, you know, out, outside the, the state of Texas, but uh, we've done 20 full consults and we do, we deep dive into their financials. We help them evaluate, you know, uh, margins and targets for where they should be. Um, it's unfortunate that most companies are selling below their margin capability and uh, they're happy with it. And, you know, when a company says, Hey, you know, I want to, I want a succession plan or I'm looking for an exit strategy in three to four years, you know, I give them those targets. Well, unless you get your gross margin here, unless you get your net margin here, these equity groups, these people that want to buy you, they're never going to look at you. So we got to clean this up. So we go to work on that. But um, 20 consults, and I'm very blessed and very, very proud to say that I've got 10 in the pipeline, and I'm talking to four more right now. And, um, you know, so uh, if, if you ask today, I'd say January, we'll have, have a face-to-face. -face. But it, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. So during your 16 months, you've looked at 20 different companies, financials and operations. So we, we know you worked for a fence company a couple of times before that. And uh, I'm sure throughout your career at AFA and other stuff like you, you probably heard about the operations and things of multiple other fence yeah. companies. So so you're uh, you're, you're not you're not new to the world by any means. And, you know, like, I, I think that what most of us do is we kind of just look at our own operations all the time. Right. And that's probably the reason why, you know, calling you in for a consult is a good idea because you do have like the experience of looking at all these other ones. I think that's important, Dan, because, you know, uh, when I was serving as executive director, I was doing some of the same thing. I'm going to call it mentoring or coaching. I really wasn't doing, 
consulting. But, uh, you know, I tell people I've talked to thousands of fence business owners. I've been to now probably hundreds, uh, you know, of locations. You know, a fence yard in Minneapolis is the same fence yard in Texas. You know, I mean, everybody and, I, you know, I've, I've done consults for, you know, two man operations all the way through 100 man operations, 250,000 a year to I've got clients that's doing over 15, 20 million a year. So, you know, I get the full range. And, you know, I get to bring that. I've got NDAs in place, and I'm not going to throw the names out to these people that yeah, I'm talking to. But I tell them, okay, this is the average of what I see in your in your bracket where you're at revenue-wise, and we need to talk about how to, you know, tighten this thing up or do whatever. So through all of this over the last several years has really given me the benefit of, of helping others, you know, from what I've learned. And I tell everybody the first phone call, the hardest thing for us to do as men, right, is pick up the phone and say, hey, I may need your help. And oh, I tell yeah. them, man, you're over the hardest part. Now it's going to get fun. <laughs> and um, and we go from there. And it's been it's been truly a, a lot of fun on my end. And I got a very patient wife right now with all the travels I've been doing. We've been married yeah. 41 years, and uh, she knew going into this thing I was going to give it all I had. So uh, bless her heart, she's been very patient with me. Yeah, I know for – for us, well, for me, going out of town for a week is a pretty big deal. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I have to go, you know. And she's at home all mad trying to fight the kids, get them in bed and all that by herself every day. And so, yeah, I can't imagine traveling all the time. You know, that'd be crazy. Well, thank goodness our kids are grown, you know. And uh, my wife ha uh, has the opportunity to spend a lot of time with our children and our, and our grandkids while I am out of town. Uh, but, you know, I try to get in and get out. I usually, you know, get into a consult on a Sunday night, have dinner with the client, reevaluate where we're going to be, hit it hard Monday, Tuesday, and a late flight out. I'll take a red eye out on a Wednesday night to where I sleep in my bed, you know, and then I'm home, you know, Thursday and Friday and the weekend usually. So, uh, you know, it's a good balance, uh, but it, it's uh, it's also, you know, a, a trying uh, I'm 62 years old, you know, I'm not real young anymore, but I'm pretty active and I'm pretty in pretty in good shape, but, uh, it still takes its toll on you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I don't know, I, I don't think I could do it. I, I think, you know, sleeping in my bed is, is pretty appealing. <laughs> and, you know, like when we go to these trade shows, you know, just being gone a week, like, I mean, I'm pretty excited to get back home. Even when I go on vacation, I mean, I'm that guy where I'm like, okay, I'm in New York. Like, we're going to leave. We're going to sleep somewhere on the way. And, man, you know, two-thirds of the time or three-quarters of the time, I wind up just driving. I'm yeah. like, next time I lay down is going to be in my own bed. So, like, Bingo. I, I definitely get that. Yeah. So, yep. Um, so I, I saw you. Did you? I was going to ask him about Vegas. We kind of talked unofficially sure. off camera yeah, about yeah. the show and how we saw you. I mentioned that and uh, yeah. that you you and Dan kind of piggybacked on one of your talks there. And uh, so what do you think about the turnout? I'm assuming you've been to other fence expos in the past. <laughs> Maybe. Probably one or two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So that was my that was my first one, just to be transparent. Um, so I've been to a lot of other conventions and things like that yeah. so it wasn't new to that environment but so what'd you think did you uh you enjoy yourself you feel like you got a good traffic at your booth or you know expect to go next year we had a great time uh you know i'll have to I, I, and i told uh brian 
and his team, they did a wonderful job, you know, to put something together because I know how much work goes into putting a, a, a show on like that. I mean, I was responsible with a great team of people, you know, for nine fence techs, uh, you know, but uh, to pull that off in the manner that he did, you know, they did a good job. Uh, you know, uh, the attendance was okay, and uh, I got a lot of good contacts out of it. The, uh, the, the thing that I like about you know, any event is the opportunity to train and get in front of people and, you know, share my passion on how, how to make their companies better. And uh, I was very blessed to be able to do, you know, five different training events. And I've had two associates there, Mr. Jeff Cook and also Mike Gulledge that helped me with those. But um, I thought the show was good uh, for the first outing. And, you know, and I'm a guy that don't like Vegas. Okay. I can stay away from Vegas forever, but, you know, that's where, where the show was and that's where we went. And I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people had a lot of good, good uh, things to say. Yeah. Yeah. We enjoyed Vegas. Tony, I, I just got to stop for a second and say, we may have misused or misappropriated the name powerhouse for our show, because after listening to you, nine fence shows, he's been looking at 20 year, 20 companies books. He did 30 years at that company and 10 years at that company. Man, I'm tired. I think you are the powerhouse. Just listening. When you said I put on nine fence shows, fence techs, I was like, Jesus, give me a break. I'm tired just listening to that. No, Man, brother. No, brother. I tell everybody, you know, I, I say this often, you know, when I used to be executive director, you know, I'm just a fence guy. My name is Tony. I'm a kid from Pearl. Okay. So that's the way I love people to look at me. That's the way I love for people to talk with me. Because I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just Tony. And, uh, you know, I got a passion for this industry and I got a passion for sharing and taking care of others. And, uh, you know, hopefully it shows through. Well, and I uh, think that's, sorry to interrupt. I think that's what stands out about just the time we've spent here today is that you continue to talk about the act of service that this is. It's not mm -hmm. just about Tony earning a paycheck. It's about how can my experience benefit others? And that's really what we wanted to do with the podcast. And yeah. so like, you know, that act of service that we can carry throughout our lives, not just in our work, but everywhere we go. And that's a big deal where I think a lot of energy and inspiration can be brought to a lot of different things. It's just the idea that me showing up here may help someone else in some Absolutely. capacity, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I, so I, I've kind of been like extending myself in some conversations too to people just like, hey, you know, I've bid commercial fence jobs and manage projects and all of that for 15 years. So like, don't, don't be afraid to call me and ask me questions. Exactly. I, I did an onboarding with a Simpalo customer today and that's what I told them. I was like, man, like this is not a part of the Simpalo subscription, but you know, as you kind of get more and more into this commercial world and try to grow that side of your business, like yep. don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call me. You know, I said, people do it all the time. People send me drawings like, Hey, have you seen something like this? Can you explain this to me? You know, and I mean, that's just part of it, man. If we if we have the knowledge, I think we should share it. And, you know, that, like Zach said, that's that's what we're trying to do here. So, well, I, I appreciate you guys going about it that way, because, you know, when I was coming up in my early 20s, early 30s, you know, running my own companies and everything, everybody was like so standoffish. You know, I feel like our industry today is sharing more than we ever had are willing to help more than we've ever done. And, uh, you know, back in that day, man, you know, uh, you couldn't even get people together because, you know, they wanted to fight. Yeah, right, <laughs> so, right. uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, if we can help our competition be better, then we got a better competitor. If we help him better understand that, you know, we're 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 uh, we're doing it right. We hope you do it right as well. 
then, then we all grow. And what does it do? It raises the professionalism in our industry. It uh, raises the bar, you know, for everybody. And uh, we're going to be better for it. And uh, I think that our industry right now is doing more of that uh, than, than it's ever been in my career. And that's 47 plus years. So how much do you think that is because of social media? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No. You know, my mom had a Facebook page before I did where she could keep <laughs> up with my kids in Texas. Okay. I, I swore I'd never be there. But, um, you know, I'm pretty active on social media, you know, through Thornton Fence Consulting Group. I've got my personal page as well, uh, LinkedIn. Now, there's a lot of Instagrams and all the YouTubes and everything else is on there. But I feel that the, um, you know, the social media content that's being put out there right now has played a huge part in, you know, uh, raising our uh, awareness in our industry. There's a lot of training going on from a lot of different camps out there. Uh, there's a lot of people like y'all that are sharing your experiences and getting others to share their experiences, which is getting it out there, you know. So uh, I really feel like social media from an overall perspective has made a huge impact uh, on our industry. Some positive, some negative. OK, and I wish we could just put an X on all those negative things. But there's enough room for everybody out here. And what I what I don't want to see is, you know, people you know, in a war or, or, or a negative content discussion on, you know, a show or an organization or, you know, how I do it better than you. Okay. If we lift everybody up, there's enough room for everybody and we can all be better professionals of it. And everybody can make a choice of where they want to be and what they want to do. And at the end of the day, again, what is in the best interest of the industry? And I really have been preaching that hard the last you know, six to eight months because I see so much negative junk that's going on on Facebook and it just, it tur- turns my stomach. Oh yeah, man. People are quick to like throw out a bunch of negativity and all that. And that's what I think, like give a suggestion, right? Hey, maybe you could do it like this, or you might want to think about doing it like that, you know, instead of just starting to bash people. I mean, I saw one recently, Dan, it really got me. Okay, this young kid has started a fence company, and he said, hey, guys, give me your honest opinion on what I need to do to improve. This is a young kid that's asking for professional input, right. and, man, he got hammered. I oh, mean, yeah. this is the worst-looking fence I've ever seen. You know, you, you if you do it that way, you won't be in business long. And I'm like, this, you know, this guy will never come back to that that point. This guy will yeah. never no. Uh-uh. He He I mean, canceled his Facebook page that day because he didn't want to hear that crap. And that guy's never going to ask for help again. Nope. And, you know, that's a shame, man. That's a shame. So I I think it's done a lot of positive, but I also agree there's a lot of negative. And, I mean, there's just negative people in the world in general, you know. So, like, I think that's just a part of what we have to deal with. This is true. Well, I'll tell you what I did. When I saw that, I reached out to him from a private message, and I said, look, man, you don't know me from Adam, but I've been in this business for 47 years. If you got a question and you want an honest opinion, a constructive, uh, pleasant, conversation then pick up the phone and call me guess what he called i spent an hour and a half on the phone with this kid and you know he sees now what he got into what he needs to do how he's gonna move forward this is not a consult this is just somebody that called me you know we had a conversation because i want him to be uh, you know positioned for success and i feel like he will be now yeah yeah that's cool so uh i'm gonna skip a few things on your notes there if you're following along um so our, our show, you know, is to talk about commercial fence. So I thought we could do a little bit of that. And um, 
our our uh we we kind of try to like I don't know when you say commercial fence, like it kind of lumps it all together, but really there's like the business to business commercial mm -hmm. and then like the general contractor world commercial that are kind of like two different things. Right. Yep. So in the business to business world, you know, somebody picks up the phone and calls and says, Hey, I want a fence around my parking lot. And then obviously in that general contractor world, like you're working for a contractor on someone else's property and all that. So I, I guess the, the first question I have is what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen people make when it comes to commercial fence, you know, maybe people that have been doing it for a hundred years or brand new or, you know, so, something, it looks like something maybe coming to mind there. Oh, absolutely. Especially for the new kids, you know, that are saying, Hey, I want to branch into commercial and we do a two hour present. Y'all new kids, <laughs> y'all old kids. Uh, but you know, if, if there's a new company that's ready to start, start down the path of commercial, there's two things that I tell them. You better have deep pockets and you be able, you better have sustainability because y'all know if you're doing general contractor work, you know, these guys are going to hold you out 60, 90, 120 days. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to beat you up on your certified payroll. They're going to beat you up on your submittals. They're going to beat you up in every angle of, of that project. And if you haven't got your mind right and you hadn't financially got yourself positioned, and if you're too busy to go take care of those things, then you're actually going to get into more trouble. So I would say, you know, on the front end, you know, know knowing what you're getting into from a financial perspective, uh, because, you know, it, you need some deep pockets to get into that commercial world. Yep, for sure. So we have uh, we've actually got a recorded episode that's called Cash is King. And uh, as I you know, over the past few months or whatever, like I found myself in the position of talking to people that want to get into that commercial world more. And that's always the first thing I talk about is, man, you got to understand how it works, how that billing cycle works, like the money that you need to go out and bid a job. And uh, so, you know, I always tell people like, hey, you got X amount of money. Like, think about you're going to sink all of that money doing a job and you might not get paid for three months. So use that to bid a job. Right. right. When you're trying to decide how big of a job to go after, like, look at how much money you can put into it. And that's there's your answer. That's right. So, yeah, cash, man, that that's a huge deal. And so hopefully before too long, we're going to have uh, the the banker that we use on the show and kind of oh, like that, that side of things. And, you know, how he's helped us out a lot over the years. And I've mentioned him a couple of times on the show, but, you know, yeah. like a, a line of credit and, you know, anything else like that is is also a big deal. Yeah. So. And, I, and I tell you, a lot of people don't realize the uh, insurance requirements for yep, commercial right. work. For you sure. know? And, and I've seen those insurance requirements just get more and more and more and more. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I've got a client that recently picked up the phone and says, hey, Tony, I got an opportunity for these commercial jobs. You know, they're saying everything's good. And the first question out of my mouth was, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. OK, well, can you financially deal with it? Yes. Do you understand certified payroll? They tell me I don't have to do certified payroll. I said, what's in the specs? What's in what's in the what's in the contract, right? Two months later, he picks up the phone. He says, I got a signed contract with these folks. Now they're demanding certified payroll, and I don't know what to do. I'm like, yeah. I told you, man. You know, and um, if you haven't been involved with certified payroll, which I know you guys have, but uh, that would be the, the thing that I would say. You know, deep pockets, understand your cash flow, understand your bonding capability, your insurance, and understand certified payroll because that is a nightmare if you've had never done it well and another thing that's happening now is they go through these like third-party billing companies 
And I mean, man, you'll have to pay them and they'll, they'll take 1% or one yeah. and a half or something like that out of whatever you get paid. And, you know, if you don't realize that on the front end and you get a $300,000 job, like you start taking one, 2% out of it, you know, you're talking money. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's another thing that will kind of catch you off guard with that, the certified payroll and ins- yeah, it's, it's all. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. All right. What's the longest retainage time that you had to put up with that last 10% retainage? What's the longest time you had to deal with? So fortunately here in the great state of Tennessee, the maximum retainage they can hold is 5%. Oh, okay. So we, when we work in Mississippi and Arkansas and stuff like that, it'll go to 10, but, and I mean, sometimes it might be two or three years. Yes. And you know, so there's your profit 10%. That's your profit on the job. Like you're waiting for who knows how long on that stuff. And, and you've uh, done everything that you're supposed to do. You've went over the punch list. You got to close out. Everything's good, but they're going to hold that 10% until why? Uh, until some, they get paid. Until they get plumber. paid, you get paid. Yeah. Right. Until the plumber comes back and fixes the leaky <laughs> toilet that they've been <laughs> fighting over for a year. Exactly. Like, I'll just buy you a new toilet. Send me my money. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. When you're talking about a couple of million dollar job, that 10% adds up real oh. quick. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It can be fun, but it can be a headache too. Oh, it's exciting. You know, and that's what I tell people. I'm like, you look at this big job, like just put that excitement to the side a little bit and like think about the numbers and the the resources it takes to get that thing done and make yeah. sure you look at that side of it instead yeah. of just being like, Ooh, look, I'm going to get this 10,000 foot job or 50,000 foot job. Like right. Right. calm down turbo. This is true. <laughs> good advice, Dan. Good well, advice. A good point also about the not being too busy to manage those calls to the job site and the, Oh shit, it's 9am. I need you out here for a meeting right now. And those yep. types of things. Oh yeah. Um, which is kind of is difficult when you're balancing managing cash flow and then being available to get out to the site. So if you're trying to run some smaller jobs at the same time, you're managing the big job to keep the money going in order to afford to do the big job. It can get pretty crazy if you stretch yourself too thin and not have available resources to get people out to those meetings and meet those punch lists and that kind of thing. Um, you, know, you miss that window to submit payroll and then there you yeah. go. You know, yeah, so, 30 days. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know, I see so many young companies that start down the path of commercial because all of a sudden, you know, they've got this 22 mile job that I can that, that I can go allocate my time to. And what they're not thinking is it's going to top up all their resources, all of their team members. And this guy's going to be hammering them hard to get that 22 miles of fence in. And they give up everything else that they're doing in their community. And yep. then after they finish that 22 miles of fence, they don't have a business. They don't have anybody that's buying from them because for a year, they never would even go, you know, do an estimate, return a phone call because they were blinders on this 22 miles. I'm going to make a bunch of money. But they put themselves in a, in, in a very, very, you know, unfortunate way because they're not keeping up on the backside. Now, if you got resources to keep your residential work going and a couple of other jobs going and you got enough crews to be able to do this 22 miles, let's get on with it. But don't be that crew that just gives up everything to go try to make that unless you're ready to shut your company down at the end, because I've heard nightmare stories on, on projects like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we have a pretty strong, like business to business business. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, to say that. Relationship. But, That's a good day, yeah. Relationship. Yeah. Maybe? So, so we do a pretty good bit of that here locally. And a lot of times when we're looking at a job that may be bidding or 
you know, something like that, we kind of look at the schedule too. And so I, I know a lot of people will skip all of that in the bidding process and just go straight to the plans and specs and stuff. But like, don't forget that schedule because it goes exactly like what you're saying. If you got 22 miles and they want it done in six months and you got to put everybody on it, you're completely neglecting everybody else. That's and right. when the contractor's done, guess what? They're leaving town. Yeah. They may call you again at some point, but like they're not going to call you tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. You got to be cautious. All of those things that we just talked about are, unfortunately, the pitfalls or the headaches, whatever term you want to put on it. The challenges, I guess, is the best word. Like that. Uh, you know, that uh, if you're going to get into commercial work, you need to be ready for. Yep. So uh, I guess my next question here, if somebody's looking to get into commercial, what should they do first? I, we kind of touched on a little bit of this probably already, but yeah. My recommendation is go talk to your bank. I mean, you know, you got to, again, going back to that financial, have a good relationship with your banker, understanding what it is, but also understand what you're getting into. You know, are you capable of doing the takeoffs? Are you capable of, of making sure that, you know, all the materials for this project is done? Uh, you know, are you meeting the specifications? And, you know, you were, you were in the session there. Help me, uh, you know, at the fence show, we did that, you know, uh, plan takeoff you know what are you getting into what do you know about you know have you read the specs have you looked at every sheet have you found every nook and cranny of a fence that's going to be on this job because sometimes they get kind of tucked away i mean it's it's more than just one thing and you know it yep yep so and when you sign that contract you agree to everything that's in all of those documents you know you don't get to agree to what's on this sheet or that sheet it's all of it you're right and every single page of that contract is written to protect that general contractor and that owner. They don't care about you. That's the truth. So. And, you know, early in my career is when we started seeing commercial contracts say, we'll pay you when we get paid. I mean, I, I remember back early in my career, okay, mid-20s, you know, when I was operations manager, that was never that, that clause in the contracts. And now all of a sudden we started seeing them in everything. You know, we'll pay you when we get paid. We'll put our draw in when you put your draw in and then, you know, it all will pay. But you know what? We started excluding that. And and I can tell you, my good friend, Mike Robinson, that owns Robinson Fence, you know, he'll exclude things like that in a heartbeat and just basically tell you, man, if you want me to do the job, I'm not agreeing to this. When I submit my money, I want it in 30 days. And if you don't want to go down this path, then we're not going to have a contract. Mm. And you can be hard case on that if you don't want the work, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's a whole nother thing to talk about is redlining contracts too. Oh, yeah. You know, you can go through there and do that, but you may or may not get the job, you know. I Back, man, it's probably been... That's hard though when your mouth is dripping with saliva looking at that 22 miles (laughs) of fence. Like I'm fresh out here after this 22-mile job. It's like, I don't know what I mean? If I nickel and dime them on the contract they may say no which is a big fear in a startup company you know yeah. like trying to get jobs so yeah get that you know yeah you might need something to eat right yeah that's right. yeah your mouth is watering because you're hungry that's right that's money's right. sitting there yeah but think but, before you sign <laughs> it was probably i don't maybe 10 years ago or something i'm uh so I, I've been involved in like some local contractors associations, not yeah. not specific to the fence industry, but I uh, I picked up the phone and called a guy when I was going through a contract and I was like, man, let me tell you about all this crazy stuff in this contract. He said, get you a red pen and start marking it up. 
he said a lot of those big boys he said they just put whatever they want in there and send it to send it out thinking some idiot's gonna sign it yeah don't be afraid to mark it up wow but that you know kind of to zach's point i mean you mark it up they might just go to the next guy and be like hey will you do this and they sign the contract and you know now you're just sitting here hungry right now accepting (laughs) contracts without red markings that's right (laughs) (laughs) but well you know commercial work is just as much um you know, a margin sensitive as a residential job. I got to know what margins I got to make to be able to walk in the door, flip the lights on and make money, keep my team happy and pay them and all those things. Because as a business owner, you know, you know, these people are relying on you. So, you know, I got to make the margins I need to make or I don't need the job. And if I don't get it because I had the right margin for me, somebody else lowballed it and they got it, let them have it. Just turn around and walk off. You know, you have to, you have to get that thick of skin and maybe you are a little hungry for a day or two, but you know, (laughs) something else will come around, but uh, man, you know, just don't give up the house, you know, when those things come around and really, really think, talk to others that have been involved, you know, call you, call somebody that can give them just a little bit of level headedness, you know, because we don't have anything on the line. Yeah, that's right. And that's, uh, I heard another speaker at the, the Finch show talking about that, about underselling yourself and, yep. and realizing your value and the necessity of not comparing your skill set or your product to the next guy. And specifically, his point was that uh, there are a lot of companies out there, they don't even know their numbers. They oh don't know God. their margins or their target <laughs> margins, you know? So how can I compare my price to Steve down the street if Steve doesn't even have like a proper business model, you know? So I'm shooting myself in the foot already trying to compete, which then again goes back to this sharing of knowledge if we can help to kind of rise the tide then we can be more competitive in that way healthy competition comparing apples to apples instead of you know being beat out by 40 percent lower uh bids and stuff yeah so yeah zach and i are are no stranger of getting beat on jobs i can (laughs) tell you that (laughs) if you get beat that was somebody else's job you know what you know let them have it let them have it that's right. Well, and I heard like a real simple version just kind of for me that made a lot of sense was if you're getting every bid, then you're bidding too low. Yeah. Bingo. You know, that's it. Good, good point. Very good point. As we were uh, sitting here, Zach showed me an email he got that says, oh, your price was 15000 more than I thought it would be. So I'm no longer interested. And, <laughs> I mean, it's just a part of it. <laughs> hey, that 15000 higher, uh, you know, you're paying for value. You're paying for quality. You're paying for customer experience. Oh, you're paying for, you know, 150 years of experience of cruise, you know, and how many years you guys have been in business. I mean, you know, those are the things that they're paying for. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't realize all of that. That's right. So I, I need to send you, uh, I, I was going to read a part of it, but Zach's over here telling me no. <laughs> so today, nice. I, today <laughs> I, I asked AI to, to give me an email to an insurance adjuster. And I said, and make it a little bit sarcastic. So it goes like explaining why the price of so of fence is so expensive. Can I can I read number one? Okay, okay. Okay, okay. So I'll, I'll <laughs> it says, <laughs> I hope this message finds you well. I wanted to take a moment to address to address the concerns you've raised regarding the cost of the recent fence job. It seems you might be experiencing some mild sticker shock, and I totally understand how numbers on a page can sometimes be baffling. Allow me to shed some light on the intricacies 
that contribute to the overall cost with just a hint of sarcasm to spice things up. So number one says material mastery. You see, fences aren't just a couple of sticks slapped together. They're intricate constructions made from carefully selected material. These top-notch materials don't come cheap. It's almost as if we're not using toothpicks and bubble gum to build these things. Oh so, <laughs> so it it goes through and it's got skilled sorcery and it talks about like, you know, our, our team of skilled professionals and then permit perplexities, tools of titans, precision politics. Oh, it's great, man. All right, so I want to know if you hit the send button. Did you hit the send button? Yeah, we sent it to him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hey, hey, when you get the reply back, it's going to be two words, and you know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, so kind of uh, – Is that thank you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that would be it. <laughs> what do you think, Tony? You think as an estimator, it'd be estimator, it'd be a good business move for me to hire AI to write all my proposals. <laughs> hey, look, you know, if, uh, if you want to burn a bunch of bridges and all the bridges and the word get out that you know, uh, you know, don't call these guys. Yeah, go for it. But you know, sometimes uh, leaving things alone is well enough. Just I, leave them alone, I right? I agree with that. I agree with but that. Hey, we gotta have fun every now and then. I That's mean, right. seriously, you know. Every now and then I'll get on a tear and I'll have to rip rip something open, you know, and I'm one of those guys that'll tear a band-aid off in a heartbeat. Yep. So I'm with and, you hundred percent. And you know, insurance adjusters like that stuff just gets brutal too. Yeah. I mean, they'll want a nickel and dime and well, yeah. how much is how much is that, you know, piece of pea gravel in that concrete footing? And yeah, you know, they're they're rough. So I'm serious. Uh, yeah. If it was a customer, no, we wouldn't. Yeah. Assume, but yeah. going, going to insurance people, like, yeah, we're we're gonna mess with them. All I'm with you. Time. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about making this transition from residential to commercial. Do you think yeah. people have to do it? Like, is it a necessity, or can someone yeah. make a good living doing residential fence? Man, I got clients that's doing nothing but residential. That's you know in the eight, nine, ten million uh, range. You know, um, you don't have to get into commercial. There's plenty of residential work out there. And again, I tell everybody less is more. I'd rather do 10 jobs, uh, you know, for the right margin instead of 20 jobs for a low margin. And um, the attitude is, you know, I'm going to sell my company. I'm going to sell myself. I'm going to sell value. I'm going to sell quality. I use this all the time and I'm going to sell the customer experience. And I'll tell them real quick, if you're looking for a price, you know, if you're if you're pricing, uh, you know, shopping a price, I'm not your company. So when you go down that path, you know, they you've already set a precedent that, you know, evidently this guy's pretty good business guy. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah. I don't uh, think you, I don't think you have to. I like that customer experience because, I mean, ultimately, that's a big part of what we're selling. Right. We're a service industry like we're selling a customer experience. We're we're putting a fence in. But, you know, it's yeah. like a whole experience. Right. Hey, look, to, to us, a fence is just a fence. We've been doing it all our career. Right. But to somebody that's putting a brand new pool in the backyard, they've already got total anxiety, and now we're going to put a fence around it, and you're the last one there besides a landscape guy. You know, that anxiety's just built up, and you've got to, I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock. you got to be there at 10 o'clock. you two days late, you're going to hear it, and that's not what you want to have from a customer experience standpoint. You want that five-star Google review, right? So right. you better you better do your job when you're supposed to. Tell them what you, you know, be there when you tell them you're going to be there. Yeah, that's right. 
Just out of curiosity, Tony, you say eight to nine million dollar residential fence company. How many employees does a eight to nine million dollar residential fence company need to have? You think? I've got two clients in that range that are running about five sub crews, uh, one in-house crew, a full welding shop with about three team members, a full yard shop having about three. And then they've got uh, three sales guys and uh, three or four admin people. So, I mean, you know, that just kind of gives you the, the flow, uh, you know, and, and, and both of them are very, very com uh, comparable you know, and what they're doing and how they're doing it and total opposite ends of the, uh, of the country. Okay. Man, I can't imagine. So we, we stopped doing residential and, uh, we had a guy today complaining because, you know, Oh, y'all installed this residential fence for me. What in like September. <laughs> and, uh, he said, well, some of the boards have split and, you know, I, so I heard, I don't remember who it was, but I heard somebody say, well, take it up with God. That's how he made the wood, you know? And, uh, so, you know, I mean, we, we used all Western red cedar and like yeah. we tried to use high quality stuff. And yeah. I mean, ultimately it is just a piece of wood and yeah. I mean, sometimes wood splits. So of course we're going back, like remove the cap yeah. and trim off, replace the boards and all yeah. of that. But, you know, yeah, as, right. he, as he was talking about it, I was thinking, man, I'm glad we don't do residential fence anymore. Cause you know, it's every single thing. And like, man, people love to nitpick all the like checks in the, yeah the yeah, treated wood, and stuff. Wood. yeah about about uh 25 percent of my clients uh, uh are just commercial only i mean that's all they focus on mm -hmm. i've got one client that focuses about 90 percent commercial 10 percent residential but on residential he's making 60 percent mar gross margin on his residential because that 10 percent is the highest you know uh uh, you know, highest level uh, of clients in the area, you know, that lives in the nice neighborhoods, driving a Mercedes and doing all these things. And they want this company because they have, you know, built their reputation around. If you want a, a, a residential fence, we're going to be more than anybody else, but we can do it for you. Yeah. And you can be happy with it. Yeah. And I, I like that business model. That's kind of what we did with the residential world was, you know, we offered, a, a higher quality product than what most people yeah. are doing. And we were the most expensive and like, that's kind of how we tried to structure it too. It just, yeah, uh, it, it just, at the end of the day, wasn't worth it for us I even, get it. You know, here in this market. It. But, but yeah, I like that model. Absolutely. And on the difficulty level of designating appropriately designating to your customer, whether or not you're the company for them, you know, yeah. and that's kind of a hard thing to do. You know, so. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but like what what do you think as far as like cash reserves or line of credit somebody might want to have? And like how, how does that relate to the size of jobs they go after? I, I shared my opinion, but what what's yours? You know, that's all over the place, depending on what level you're doing. You know, a lot of people uh, well, let's go down the bonding path. OK, I got to have enough, you know, financial backing uh, or, you know, money tucked away for a bond company to even be positioned to give me my bond. And then you got a bond value and you've got four jobs out there and you've already exceeded that bond value or the multiple bond value, then they're not going to be able to bond the fifth job that you wanted to try to do. So unless your, your cash flows, uh, you know, matches, you know, your capabilities, uh, you're not going to be able to, you know, do it very long or you got to control it. You got to manage that. But uh, you know, for me to say you need X amount of money, 
that'd be a hard number to put on anybody. It just depends on the, the size and the projects that you're trying to do. But again, that's why you need a good relationship with your uh, insurance group and a good relationship with your banker because your insurance group is going to be doing your bonding. Your banker is going to be doing your, you know, your, uh, you know, your support, maybe a credit line for that project. And then, you know, your bookkeeper, your CPA, you know, they need to be in those same rings of people. You know, what's your forecast on your cash flow? You know, that's how am I going to get this thing paid for while I'm held out for 120 days on getting to that job? That number's all over the place. And I, I'm not, I'm, it'd be hard for me to put a number on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, for me, I, I think what you have kind of determines <laughs> the, the jobs that you're going to go after. Right. So, because I, I, I agree. I mean, there's there's no like one size fits all kind of answer. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, if, if the advice I'd give to a young company that's doing well, it's making good margins on residential. I want to you know, grow into commercial. Set yourself a threshold. OK, I want a couple of two hundred fifty thousand dollar jobs. You know, that's doable. And you can cash flow those. Get hung out. You know, you've got your credit line. And then all of a sudden, two years from now, oh, I'm pushing a million, looking for a million dollar jobs now. So, you know, don't go after the big boy. Start out and grow into that. And I think you'd be better positioned to to grow your company. Right. For sure. So uh, I'm going to skip a couple things on our notes so we can try to get this wrapped up here in a few minutes. Um, So I I think I'm just going to ask you... uh, where, where do you think our, our industry is headed? Um, and so I'm, I'm on the last page there. Yeah. Hey, you know, I think all of us are still waiting on that downturn in the recession. It never happened. Here we are, you know, the eighth month of the year. Uh, is it going to happen? I can't tell you. I don't know that anybody can tell you. Uh, there was a lot of people banking on, you know, a, a slowdown. Now, I had clients where the phones were dying on the residential, but they were really, really busy on the commercial. So it's kind of all over the place in different areas. But, you know, personally, and I look at a lot of market statistics and analytics, um, I don't see a slowdown. You know, our fence industry is still on a growth, uh, upward growth. Uh, You know, you can go do, you know, fence market research right now. And uh, you're going to see that, you know, we're continuing to grow, uh, you know, with all these acquisitions of wholesalers and acquisitions of contractors and new companies entering. You know, there's always going to be a demand for protection and safety and aesthetics. You know, the fence is just going to be part of it. And those guys, you know, that uh, don't mind spending it or have to spend it, uh, you know, we're in a good position, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, that, that's what's been surprising to me because I'm kind of like what you said. I'm like, all right, when's this recession coming? Because, you know, all the signs were there. It looks like we're going and things just keep trucking right along. I mean, interest went through the roof. People are still spending money. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of like, well, maybe it's just not coming. I don't know. But, but you know what? I tell everybody, that, you know, during during that time, early part of the year, I kept telling everybody, position yourself for this. Okay. Don't forget it potentially can happen. And if you don't have that rainy day money put back to hold you through and be prepared to do what's necessary to pull the reins back, if you got to lay team members off, you got to do what you got to do, uh, but be prepared for that, but have a little stash, you know, to keep you going. And uh, if it does happen, those those people that are positioned for it are going to be better off for it on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You have a question? No. Oh, okay. So no, let, I don't. I want. How? I'm, well, you got something? 
No, no. All right. I, I just want to, Tony, you got copies of your book sitting there or. Man, yeah. I was going to see if you want to give a little moment, give you a moment to flash the cover and tell us the title. So if anybody's interested and you want to hear more of what Tony's talking about. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, this is this book is a passion of love for our industry. Uh, it took me about a year to write this. I'm very fortunate to have had it published. I think it's the only published uh, fence book for business owners in our industry. And um, it, you know, the title is "The Seven Strategies for the Professional Contractor to Unlock Maximum Efficiency and Profitability." That's what I preach and teach every day. The next step of that is how to find perfect work-life balance. Okay through procedures and checklists. And this, this book details that, uh, you know, uh, publications got behind because I had to fire my first, uh, publisher. Uh, they weren't, weren't coming through. So I got rid of them, got a new one. So I was about two months behind on publication, but all the books hit and, uh, all the books are shipping. Matter of fact, my wife and I will be here whatever time it takes tonight to get the rest of the shipment out. But I'm very blessed to say that we've got close to 200 books, that have been ordered pre-sold and at the fit show last week i think we sold 30 on site and uh we prompted probably 10 or 15 additional uh you know those that got the book this week i've already got text man i wish i had this a month ago or i wish i had this 10 years ago it's an amazing but it's just tony talking about how to be successful you know and it's it's not rocket science i'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know i'm just going to put it in a, in a manner that says wow i need to start doing these yeah. And the seven tips here, guys, are from the top 10% of fence companies in this industry. This is what they do to have the success they have. So I appreciate you letting me make that plug. You go to the website and That's pick that book up. Ask. You can order directly from the website. Uh, the uh, uh, the hard covers are available now. The soft covers will be available in the next couple of weeks. There's also a Kindle book out there for uh, nine bucks. So, you know, you, you can't say you can't get it. What's the website? Would you just yeah, yeah, www.fenceconsultinggroup.com, fenceconsultinggroup.com. It's, that's my website. Just click on book order or whatever, and, you, and it'll show you uh, all that we got uh, going on there. Don't, don't be confused when you see that picture of that other guy. That is Tony. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, guys, I know we're kind of getting on time here, but I, I really would like to highlight what Thornton Fence Consulting Group has got going on because, yep. you know, People look for us to bring new, innovative things to the to the table, and uh, we're excited about finishing up our, uh, our our last Super Summit of 2023. That'll be next month, September 17th through 20, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I think we've got uh, 12 or 15 people in attendance, and I've got four or five peers in the industry that'll be helping me, uh, you know, do the uh, the presenting and the education aspect of it. We're real so- excited about that. And then uh, over in uh, November, y'all probably saw we came off a very successful gate operator boot camp here in Dallas, uh, partnered with uh, uh, Southwest Automated Security, SAS and TFC Group. And we had a phenomenal event. And uh, we're going to do that again in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, that's going to be in November, the 13th and 14th. We'll have eight to 10 manufacturers of product that's totally focused on hands on technical how to do it in the field better. It's not a sales pitch at all during those, those two days. Right. And, and uh, I just launched this week uh, and I got to get all the details nailed down, but uh, Thornton Fence Consulting Group is going to host the first ever, what we're going to call the Winter Fence Conference. The Winter Fence Conference is going to be held at Shangri-La 
up in Oklahoma, a great resort up there. And we're going to be focusing on two to three hour blocks that brings this commercial fence contractor forum to the table. A lot of what we've been talking, but we got peers that's been there, done it, and that help these young people, you know, maybe elevate, you know, into the next step. We're going to have a no dig fence forum, which is huge in our residential market right now. We're going to talk about the pros and cons and have some great speakers there. Uh, leadership forum, you know, how to be a better leader, how to be a better manager. And I hope I can get my good friend Barry Willingham to do that, uh, who is just phenomenal at that if his, if his schedule will work. We're also going to talk about uh, fence business technology. As we know, technology, Simpalo, is a technology. It advances your company. We're going to talk about that, uh, you know, for a couple of hours with the team. Uh, website, SEO, Google Forum, uh, about two hours on that. And then consultative sales, succession, exit strategy. And, of course, we'll be promoting the uh, Seven Strategies book, which will be about an hour, hour and a half for them as well. So we're excited to do that. It's going to be a low cost on the entry fee. And uh, it's at a great facility there at the, at the resort. And I know that anybody would love to bring their family and have a good time. But uh, we're anticipating a huge event and a lot of opportunity. Things are slowing down that time of year, even in the south. So I feel like we'll, we'll get a lot of, lot of, lot of bang for, for that. So if somebody wants to find out more about that event, how, where can they go look for that? Uh, the first two, you can go to the website. Right now, the uh, uh, website, I just launched that concept this week. I'm working through the uh, graphics and the promos. So right now, just call me and I'll tell you all about it. But uh, <laughs> it looks like it's going to be either the second, uh, the first or second week of December. I'm working with uh, Shangri-La right now. I've got a date in mind. Hopefully going to be the week of December the 11th. And it'll be a two or three day event. Okay, cool. And so if somebody wants to uh, talk to you about a consult, I guess, same thing, go to yep. your website. Website, you know, my email's there, um, info at fenceconsultinggroup.com or tony at fenceconsultinggroup.com. And y'all have heard me say it a hundred times. Call me. I love to talk. 972-533-3658. Well, there we go. Call me, call me, call me. That's right. Wasn't that, that was a commercial around here, I think, yeah. back when, so. Well, Tony, I appreciate you coming on, man. There was some more stuff that we didn't get to talk about, and you know, maybe we'll uh, circle back around to that sure. day in the in the future there, and and kind of get a little more in depth in some stuff here. And I definitely appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you guys, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. You know, bringing stuff like this to the industry. We're going to grow together, and we're going to help each other. And uh, you know, you got a phenomenal product that's going to make an impact on the industry. And uh, you know, I've I've headed several people down your way that does commercial work. And uh, I just appreciate what you guys are doing for our industry. Well yeah. done. Thank you. Cool. Thank, thank you, Tony. We're, we're trying to do something, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And thanks for uh, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And do we have a name for our fans? I think people who do a thing together typically get a name like powerhousers. Are they powerhousers? Powerhousers? Is that too corny? Powerhousers, I'm trying it out today. Maybe it'll change next episode. <laughs> but all the power for all the powerhouses. For all the power. <laughs> yeah. The powerhousers power, power family. I don't know. Right. There we right. go. That's right. So for all you powerhouse members of the powerhousers family out there, we thank you for tuning in again. Thank you. thank you, Tony Thornton, for being on the show. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you some more out and about the rest of the year and years to come traveling around yep. cities and checking out shows and that kind of thing. Uh, I want to come to the event in the winter. I like that. So uh, 
Thank you for being oh, we, on. We need a copy of that book too. We need to go order one of those. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. Thank you, Tony. Thanks again, yeah. man. Appreciate Thanks. it, guys. Y'all have a good one. All right. All you right. too. Thank you.